0: Good evening, we're glad that you're here tonight. If you are visiting, we are very glad that you're here. We're always thankful to have visitors with us and we're glad that Brother Ken joins us with us tonight. And I was thinking a moment ago when Brother Ken was talking about the many cards and emails that he received about how that as God's people, we're family. And one of the great blessings that we have as Christians is that we can weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and we love and appreciate Brother Ken, we appreciate so much his kind words and we want to do everything that we can to encourage him he has been a great encouragement to me and I know to other members here, to the elders and so we appreciate so much him and his spirit and his willingness to come and to be here and to express thanks to the membership here. It means a lot. And it's hard to imagine losing a mate that you have been with for the better part of your life. And I suspect it's probably like losing a limb. Maybe greater. But we know that she is at rest. She's with the Lord. And I always think about when I conduct funerals for people that have died in Christ that this is really what they were living for to go home and be with God and so we sorrow not as others who have no hope tonight we're going to be looking at Luke the 7th chapter and really we're going to be looking at verses 36-40 through and talking about the sinner who sought out the Savior I want to begin tonight by asking a question If you knew that Jesus were in town, would you seek him out? Would you find him? Interestingly, we read about a woman. Some would suggest that she was from the city of Capernaum, but she sought out Jesus. She wanted to be in his presence, and she had that great opportunity. There are a lot of great blessings that we enjoy here on planet Earth. But to be in the presence of the Lord. This lady had the opportunity to sit face to face with Jesus. So I want us to think for a moment or two about this woman. I want to begin by talking about how she wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And then the second thing that I want us to consider for just a moment or two is how she received pardon from Jesus. Let's begin by looking at her profile. You need to understand the character of this woman in order to appreciate the story itself. In verse 36, Luke tells us that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. In verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her hair, or rather with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet, And anointed them with fragrant oil. Let me just pause here. There are a lot of things that we could say about this woman, but when we talk about her character, it's summed up in two verses verse 37 and verse 39. She is identified as a sinner. I suspect, and really when you look at the context here, you'll find out that she knew what she was. She knew that she was a sinner. And I really believe that she knew what others thought about her, like Simon. She knew she was a sinner. They knew she was a sinner. And she knew, they knew, she was a sinner. When when you talk about the character of a woman like this, we need to point out that in light of the fact that two times it is said of her that she was a sinner. That she was, for all intents and purposes, branded as a sinner. I'm not sure what this woman had done. I'm not sure the exact nature of her sins, but I do know that they were bountiful because down in verse 47, Jesus said her sins, which are many. Whatever this woman had done, wherever she had been, whatever she had said, whatever her lifestyle may have been, she was, in summation, a sinner. But after all, are we not all sinners? Does the Bible not say that there is none righteous, no, not one? That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? So here's this woman who is a sinner. And in light of her character, we think about the characteristics that she demonstrated in the home of Simon. First, I think about her sacrifice. She takes this flask of fragrant oil and standing behind Jesus, Luke said she's weeping, she's sorrowful. She begins to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet and anointing them with this fragrant oil. Doesn't this say something about her penitent heart, her desire to be in the presence of what we would call or whom we would call the great physician, Let me just make this observation. If you look at verse 39, there's a contrast here between her character and the characteristics that she demonstrated in the home of Simon and the critic, that is, the critic of Jesus. In verse 39, Luke said, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, that is Jesus, if He were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now you have to understand something about the Pharisees. Jesus identified them in the book of Matthew in chapter 23 as people who said and did not. In other words, they didn't back up their words with their actions. Jesus went on to say in Matthew chapter 28, or rather Matthew chapter 23, verse 28, that outwardly they appeared righteous before men. He said, but inwardly they are full of all uncleanness. To give you further insight into, into the mentality of many of the Pharisees, not all, but many of them, there is an exchange that took place between Jesus and the Pharisees in Luke 18. And in Luke chapter 18, it was said of the Pharisees by Jesus that they trusted in in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. And really, that's what you have here. Here is Simon. He's invited Jesus into his home. A sinful woman comes into the home, begins serving Jesus in the manner depicted by Luke, And the Pharisee, in a very condescending way, looked down at her and really questioned Jesus. I mean, after all, if he were a prophet, he wouldn't know what manner of woman this was. Do you remember in Matthew, the ninth chapter, when Jesus was in the home of Matthew, the tax collector? And many of the people of that day chided the disciples of Jesus. They wanted to know why Jesus would eat with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus said, those that are whole have no need of a physician. But those that are sick, Jesus the great physician came for one purpose to save people from sin. Now if you go back and look at Luke 18, Jesus told a parable to the Pharisees of that day to really drive home the point that they trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and they despised others. They looked down at others. He said two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. And here's his attitude, he said, I thank you God, that I'm not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. He went on to say that he fasted twice a week, gave tithes of all that he possessed. And then the contrast, the tax collector. Jesus said that he smote his breast, Would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven. And he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There was a tremendous difference in the attitude of the Pharisee and the publican. Same situation here. A difference in attitudes. The woman that is spoken of in our text, she was a sinner. She knew she was a sinner. She knew that she needed to be in the presence of Jesus and she sought him out. And she demonstrated great hospitality and kindness to him. Now I want us to move from that and think for just a moment or two. We've talked about the woman who wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. But let's think for just a moment or two about this woman who received pardon from Jesus. And as we think about the pardon that she received from Jesus, we begin by noting the parable that Jesus told in the home of Simon. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 40. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say on, or say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Now listen, if you would, to what Simon said. I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And here's what Jesus said. You have rightly judged. And so here is this creditor. And he has graciously forgiven two debtors. What Jesus is going to do now is drive home the point. We talk about parables and the fact that they are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And there is a great meaning behind this parable. So, with that in mind, note if you would, verse 44. In verse 44, Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. He said, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Simon apparently forgot to extend what we would call hospitality to Jesus. And so this woman, in effect, extends to Jesus the custom of that day. Now, when we think about the parable and the point of this parable, let me me just pause here and say this very quickly. Jesus said that those who who have been forgiven the most will ultimately love the most. This woman was indeed a sinner. And I think sometimes when people come to understand where they are in life, they can appreciate the matchless grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, and the forgiveness that is extended by the gracious hand of God. Let me give you an example, and then we're going to go back and look at our text. Paul was a very unique man. When he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about his life as a Jew. And he expressed thanksgiving to Christ Jesus. And he talked about the exceeding abundant riches of God's grace and mercy. He went on to say, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Was Paul a sinner? Yes, he was. You can read the book of Acts and you see that Paul did everything within his power to destroy Christianity. I mean, here was a guy that was was bent on destroying the church. His motives preserve Judaism from Christianity. Paul thought that what he was doing in the name of Judaism was the right thing to do. He was mistaken. But when you look at his life after conversion, what do you see? Somebody that literally basked in the grace and mercy of Almighty God who understood Forgiveness. I think there's a lesson there for us. Sometimes, have you ever noticed how sometimes people that have grown have grown up outside the church knew nothing about New Testament Christianity, they come to know the truth, they obey it, they become New Testament Christians. Have you ever noticed how sometimes those people become the most zealous, the hardest working, the most grateful? It may be the case that some of us who have grown up in the church, so to speak, that we take it for granted, that we forget that we too are sinners, that we too need the forgiveness that can come only through Jesus. Having said that, let me just talk a minute about the blindness of Simon. I read a moment ago verses 44 through 46 where Jesus talked about the kindness, the hospitality that was extended to him by this woman. And so in verse 47 he said, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little. Think with me for a moment or two about the blindness of Simon. There are two types of blindness. First, there is physical blindness. What a terrible malady it would be. I can't imagine not having my eyesight. And yet, all of us have known people that have lost their eyesight. We've known some that have never been blessed with eyesight. It would be a terrible thing. But did you know that there is something worse than being physically blind? It's called spiritual blindness. In John chapter 9, Jesus, according to John, gave gave sight to a man that had been born blind. He used that to no doubt demonstrate his marvelous power in the presence of the people of that day. The Pharisees were enraged by what he had done. And so in the latter part of John chapter 9, they asked Jesus a question about their own spiritual eyesight. And he said to them, in effect, you say that you can see, therefore your sin remains. Some people are blind to their own condition. This man could see, this woman, Simon that is, could see this woman as she was in life. In other words, he could see that she was a sinner. He knew that. As I said a moment ago, in verse 39, he said she is a sinner. In verse 37, Luke tells us she was a sinner. He could see that. But here's the problem. He couldn't see himself in life. He could see where she was, but he couldn't see where he was. You think that ever happens? You think sometimes we can look at the lives of others, the lifestyle of other people, and we are quick to pull the trigger? We see their flaws, their faults, We criticize their actions, their words, what they say, what they do. Never pausing to reflect upon our own lives. This man, oh, he could see what she was in life. The problem was he couldn't see himself. He couldn't see where he was. So the blindness of Simon. But I want you to think with me about the blessings afforded this sinful woman. Jesus said in verse 47, her sins which are many are forgiven. In verse 48 he said to her point blank your sins are forgiven. Two things that this woman enjoyed. Number one she enjoyed or received pardon. From Jesus. If you look at Mark chapter 2 at verse 10, it was said of Jesus that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. Who but deity has the ability, the power, the authority to extend forgiveness? Jesus did. And on this occasion, that's exactly what he did. Did this woman have great needs in her life? Absolutely. This woman was, as many people would say, a rank sinner. She needed the Lord. She understood that. I want to ask you tonight, what greater need do you and I have in life than forgiveness? If you were to itemize the needs that you have in this life, if you were to to just make out a checklist, what would you put down? First and foremost... Above any and everything, what we need? Forgiveness. We need to be forgiven by a loving God in heaven. To know that when we obey the gospel, every sin is washed away. Now, Jesus said, This woman, her sins, he said, they're many. What does that say about the height, the depth, the breadth? of God's matchless grace and forgiveness. Let me tell you what it, what it says to me. There is no one, absolutely no one, beyond the scope of forgiveness. Jesus didn't, he didn't throw this woman to the curb. He didn't throw her under the bus. He didn't say, look, you are so deep in sin Your life is so marred and scarred by a life of ungodly I mean, there's just no way you can be forgiven. He didn't say that, did he? The gospel, the good news, the greatest message known to man. Do you know what we have to offer people in this community? We have a message that can literally set them free. Jesus said in John eight, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are people that come to worship services. They come to Bible study. Some people know nothing about the Bible. They really don't know much about their own spiritual life. In other words, when you talk to them about their relationship to God, They're unsure. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't know that that they have a great need. But we have the opportunity to sit down and face-to-face teach them about Jesus. I said a moment ago, I don't know what this woman had done. I don't know where she had been. I'm not sure what she had said. I know nothing about her character other than the generic term, she was a sinner. But that's what the gospel's for. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now we talk about cataloging sin and the problem of sin, the blight of sin on the human family. When Paul went to the city of Corinth, he went to to one of the most immoral cities of his day. When he went to Athens, in Athens, Greece, he was talking to people who were steeped in idolatry. When he entered the city, you think he stayed or do you think he left? When he evaluated the lives of the people in those cities, what do you think he did? You think he closed up his Bible and said, Well, I might as well leave here. There's no, no hope for these people. I mean, they're too steeped in sin. There's no way they would give up a life of ungodliness. Bible says that Paul spent 18 months in the city of Corinth what did he do there he preached he spent time teaching what were the results do you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 he said do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God neither fornicators adulterers idolaters homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, extortioners, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he said this, and such were some of you. We have a tremendous opportunity in this this area to tell people, look, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your lifestyle has been from the vantage point that you are not beyond hope. As long as there is life and an honest and good heart, there is hope. So we can sit down with people and say, look, so your life is steeped in sin. So your sins are many. Let me tell you, I know somebody that can forgive you. That somebody is Jesus. The gospel is the answer. Jesus is the great, he's the great physician. He has the power to change the hearts and lives of people. He changed this lady's life. He changed the life of the apostle Paul. And those are but two examples in scripture. You read about the Corinthians. Look at Look at the things those people had been engaged in. Some had been been living in sexual immorality. Some had been living in drunkenness. Some were living as thieves. Some were responsible for extorting. I mean, these people were doing any number of things contrary to the will of God, but Paul didn't give up on them. There are folks that I know today I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to throw them to the curb because I know they have a soul and they need the gospel. So this woman, she enjoyed pardon. And then secondly, she enjoyed peace. She received peace. Listen if you would to what he said in the text. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this? who even forgives sins. Deity. God incarnate. Jesus. But listen to what he said to the woman. First, he has extended pardon. Secondly, he extends peace. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isaiah, who has been called the statesman prophet, 750 years before Jesus ever came to earth in bodily form, described him as the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born in a manger nearly 2,000 years ago, do you remember that angelic host as they cried out to God, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward man, Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. And he came to give peace to people whose lives were wrecked by sin. In Ephesians 2 verse 14, Paul said, speaking of Christ, for he is our peace. Jesus has the ability to give you peace. Paul said, In Philippians chapter 4, it is the peace that passes all understanding. This lady was a sinner. And Solomon said about a life of sin in the book of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. Do you think this woman was living with guilt? Do you think that her life was a mess? I have known people like this woman, whose life was a literal mess. Her life was filled with chaos, or rather their lives are filled with chaos and trouble and trials, and they're guilt-ridden. They have a tremendous burden on their backs. I suspect that may have been how this woman was. Jesus not only extended to her pardon. He said, go in peace. She may have gone home that night and as we say, slept like a baby. That's what Christianity can do for you. There are a lot of folks in this area whose lives are not what they ought to be. The beauty of Christianity is it's not what, it's not what you were, it's what you are. It's what Jesus can do with you, with your life. I want to close by asking this question. I began by asking, if Jesus were in town, would you seek him out? This woman sought out Jesus. And I was thinking about, what she was like before she got to the house and how things changed. And I thought, you know, she got what she went for, didn't she? She went to be in the presence of Jesus and she left a different person. You can be a different person through the gospel. Your life may be an absolute train wreck tonight, but you can leave here forgiven. You can go home and you can sleep like a baby because you know all is well with your soul. We sing that song sometimes, you know. It is well with my soul. If it's not well with your soul, why not come to Jesus tonight? Why not come to him, believing that he is the Son of God, Willingly, repent of every sin confess his name before others be immersed in a watery grave of baptism rising to walk in newness of life knowing that when you're baptized into Christ every sin is washed away because you've contacted the blood according to Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16 maybe you're here tonight maybe your life has once again become scarred by a life of sin maybe you've not been what you know you ought to be, could we encourage you to come home tonight? Could we pray with you and for you as we stand and sing?